Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I studied through the text for tonight in Luke chapter 23, one thought kept coming through my mind. It was this, that what was done to Jesus the evening of Monday, Thursday, and culminating on that hill called Golgotha, was absolutely unforgivable. I mean, when you crucify the Son of God, you have done something that can only be called unforgivable. And yet, Jesus' very first words from the cross are what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And still, that was the unforgivable sin. I mean, Jesus still says, Father, forgive them. That's amazing. That leads me to a question that's got great relevance, and a question that's not just theological or historical, but the question is this, how do you forgive someone who has done something to you that is so terrible, so horrible, that it defies any attempt at human forgiveness? Now, maybe some of you have had something done to you like that in your life, something so horrible, so traumatic that you wonder, how can I possibly forgive somebody? That's unforgivable. Now, as I studied this story over and over, especially as I studied these remarkable words of Jesus, two things came to mind that I hope will help us all understand how to forgive the unforgivable. Here's the first one. I'm going to tell you that that it's possible to forgive the unforgivable by remembering that the people who are hurting you do not really know what they're doing. Now look at that again. I have a feeling there's probably a few of you out there today are saying, well, but Pastor, you don't understand. You don't get it. These people who did this to me knew exactly what they were doing, even before they were doing it. They knew they were going to hurt me, and they went ahead and they did it anyway. So, Pastor, what on earth do you mean that they didn't know what they were doing? Well, to answer that question, we need to think about Jesus again. I mean, who was Jesus talking about when he said, for they, you can underline that word, they, they did not know what they were doing. So we need to ask that question, who is they? But some of you would probably say, well, it's got to be the Roman soldiers. That must be who he's talking about. I mean, but did the Roman soldiers know what they were doing or not? Well, on the one hand, they knew they were crucifying somebody because that was their job. And it was another Friday. They had a few more people to crucify, so they just went out. But they didn't really know probably who this Jesus really was. So if anybody really didn't know what they were doing, and it was maybe the Roman soldiers, just a job for them. Well, maybe you'd say, could it possibly have been Pontius Pilate? It was Pilate's fault. I mean, did Pilate know what he was doing? Well, you think about it, Pilate knew that Jesus was at least called King of the Jews. I mean, that's what he knew. And to be quite honest, what he knew about Jesus scared him to death. I mean, even his wife said, don't have anything to do with this guy, he scares me. And yet he tried to wash his hands and said, I don't want anything to do with this guy. He knew enough to be scared to death, but he did not know the whole story. Well, maybe some of you know the, the, the story of the last week. So, well, 
maybe it was Caiaphas, the high priest Caiaphas. I mean, Caiaphas knew that Jesus was called the Son of God, the Messiah. But what did Caiaphas do? Well, Caiaphas said, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Crucify him. Get him out of here. The sooner the better. Remember, there's another guy in that story, too. Caiaphas and Annas. What about Annas? (laughs) Well, Annas didn't know much either. I mean, he didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Well, then you might say, well, what about that Judas guy? The Judas guy. I think that's who Jesus was talking about here. I mean, didn't Judas know what he was doing? I mean, he was with Jesus for three plus years. But friends, if you studied the New Testament, if anything is clear from the New Testament, Judas was totally confused as to who Jesus was. He knew Jesus was supposed to be the Messiah, uh, but when he really got down to it, Judas kind of thought that Jesus was going to roll into Jerusalem someday someday on his big white horse and overthrow the place and declare himself to be king. So Judas was about as baffled as to who Jesus was because it didn't fit his preconception about what the Messiah was going to do. And that's one of the reasons why he betrayed him. Because he was confused and he was disillusioned and he was disappointed at the end. So maybe you're wondering... So are you telling me that these guys you just mentioned are not guilty? No, I'm not. Not saying that at all. Judas was guilty. Pilate was guilty. Caiaphas was guilty. Annas was guilty. The Roman soldiers who mocked him and beat him and crucified him. The Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of those people put him to death. They were guilty. And that mob out there that shouted, crucify him, crucify him, they were guilty. And what about all those spectators who walked by with their wagging heads, who laughed at Jesus and mocked him? Yes, they were guilty too. And still Jesus says, Father, Forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Maybe you ought to consider the word what. Because that's kind of the key to this very first saying of Jesus from the cross. The key is not the fact that they know they did not know. The key is what they didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing that was so wrong. I mean, the key is what? They know what they're doing, but they do not know what it really means in the long run. They know what they are doing, but they don't know who it is that they're really doing this to. They kind of know what they're doing, but they don't know what the ultimate ramifications of this are. They know they're killing a man, but they're guilty of so much worse than they know. See, they were killing the Son of God from heaven. So when Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, he was really saying, Father, forgive these people, because they need forgiveness way more than they will ever know. Father, forgive them, because these folks are in desperate need of forgiveness, and they don't even know it. Has anybody ever hurt you? I've been hurt in my few years in this world been hurt pretty deep by a few people. You know, they need forgiveness. Guess what? They need forgiveness. They need forgiveness more than they know. It is true because they, if they knew what they were doing when they made that malicious telephone call or they wrote that nasty letter, when they said that thing that just tore your heart out and then they just walked away, those people need forgiveness. See, they knew exactly what they were doing when they did it to you. But they didn't know how deep the wound was. 
They didn't know how terrible it was what you did. The only thing they knew was the surface and they saw your reaction. They didn't know how deep down it dug in you. And they could never know how deeply they hurt you. Friends, if you've been hurt by somebody, the people who have hurt you, they need your forgiveness. That's the hard message that comes from the cross tonight. They need your forgiveness more than they need anything else in this world. They need it more than they know. And they will probably never, ever change until they get it. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are going to be some people that won't change even if you do forgive them. But still, the word of God is pretty clear. You must forgive them even as the Father has forgiven you. See, that's the deeper meaning of this first word from the cross. You can forgive the unforgivable if you remember that the people who have hurt you so deeply don't at the deepest level know what they've really done to you. See, forgiveness is what they need. And beyond God, you're the only person that can give it to them. So the question is, how do you go about forgiving the so-called unforgivable in your life? Well, I said, first of all, by remembering that people don't, don't really know what they're doing. And here's the second thing. It's possible to forgive the unforgivable by remembering that Jesus did what? Forgave us when we were what? Unforgivable. This is where the words of Jesus become very personal. In fact, it could almost make you squirm on an Ash Wednesday evening hearing this. We're included in this prayer. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, we were included in that four-letter word, them. The soldiers, the mob, the women, the disciples, Pilate, Caiaphas, Annas, Judas, Peter, all the Jewish leaders, and you and me. Jesus was praying for you. He's praying for me. But maybe you're thinking again, well, come on, Pastor, you, you don't understand. I'm not like those people. I'm not like those people back in Jesus' day. I'm different. I'm Lutheran. <laughs> yeah, sure. Good luck with that one. I'm not the kind of person who goes around crucifying people for heaven's sakes. I'd never do anything like that. And to that, I would say, oh, yes, you are. And yes, you would. And yes, you have many times. And yes, you will do it again in the rest of your life. You are not as good as you look, and neither am I. If you had been there, you would have been holding the nails. If you had been there, you would have been clapping and cheering. If you had been there, you would have said, crucify him, crucify him. Stick it to him. Hammer those nails even deeper. See, in the end, friends, you and I are not that much different. We're not that much better. We think we're better than they were. We think we never hurt anybody the way they hurt Jesus. We get angry because we think that we would never do it to another person what they've done to us. But friends, how deluded we are. That's part of our sinful, fallen nature when we think that way. It's our false pride that keeps us from the hard step of forgiving the unforgivable in our life. See, it's not as if we are all good and all these other people are all bad. It's not as if we are somehow all pure and everybody else is so evil. 
It's not as if our life is all together, we're well wired, and everybody else is just a bunch of fools and idiots. It's not as if we are totally in the right and they're totally in the wrong. I mean, that's not the way the world really works. It's not as if we know all of the answers. It's not as if we are as good or as cool or as righteous as we sometimes think we are. As we plop our little selves, our little pious selves in our pews. Friends, here's the truth. We get mad just like other people do. We lose our temper just like other people do. We write those snide emails and those snarky Facebook posts just like other people do. We crucify our friends just like they do. We break our promises just like other people do. And when you really get down to it, we're just like everyone else. Sinful and in need of forgiveness. In the need of forgiving other people who've done those things to us. Actually, when you think about these other people, we are them and they are us. And if we don't see that, we've really missed out on the main point of Jesus' first words from the cross. You see, if we somehow think that we are so much better than these people who hurt us so deeply, we are somewhat self-deceived. If only we could see that when we really get down to it, we're in the same boat together. We're all sinners in one way or another. We all fail in many different ways. I mean, they fail in one way, we fail in another way. I think it would keep us from being so angry sometimes if we could just see ourselves the way we really are. I'm not saying look in the mirror in the morning and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? Or for me to look in the mirror and say, man, what what a handsome dude. My wife's lucky to have me on Valentine's Day. That's not what I mean, delusional. See, if we would just look in the mirror sometimes and just admit to ourselves that we really don't know it all. If we'd admit that we really don't have it all together. If we just admit that we're not as good as we think we are. If we would just admit that we're not as together as we pretend to be. And if we'd ever admit the truth, we'd find it easier to forgive people who have hurt us in what we called unforgivable ways. You see, friends, the the secret of forgiveness is to understand that between you and the person who hurt you, there really is no difference at all. It's possible to forgive the unforgivable, but you've got to realize before you do it that Jesus, in his grace and love and mercy, forgave you when you were totally unforgivable. See, when he prayed that prayer, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He wasn't just praying for them back there. He was praying for us right here at Redeemer in Springfield or Nixon or any other church tonight that is hearing these words. Now, I think it's enormously significant that the first word from the cross is a word of forgiveness. See, we're being told by that that Jesus came to establish what we might want to call a religion of forgiveness. He is at heart a man of forgiveness who went around and forgave people. He came into this world to establish a church, many churches that would be an oasis of forgiveness. Is Redeemer an oasis of forgiveness? Where we offer it, where we receive it, and where we practice it. And are we trying trying to bring to the world a race of forgiving men and women? 
Would you like to be more like Jesus? I don't know how many times I've been asked that when I was growing up, going to grade school or high school. Do you want to grow up? Would you like to grow up and be like Jesus? Well, my answer was always, yeah, sure. I just didn't like the cross thing, but uh, Jesus seemed like a pretty good guy. Well, if you want to become more like Jesus, you need to start where Jesus started by forgiving people who have hurt you. I think that's a rather appropriate message, not just for the Lenten season and not just for Nash Wednesday. It's a good message for us to hear all the time. Some of you, maybe many of you, maybe all of us brought a certain amount of baggage into this worship center tonight. You carried in with you hurt memories, injured feelings, thoughts about the past that you just can't get out of your mind, memories of people who just plain simple done you wrong. We're barely into a new year, halfway through February. And yet some of you today may already be under a terrible burden of remembered hurts from the past. I think now would be as good a time as any to get rid of those. I'm going to suggest you do something when you get home tonight, tomorrow morning. When you get home, find yourself an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. You fold it in half if you want to. And then what I want you to do on that piece of paper is to write down the things and the people and the memories from the past that have hurt you so badly. And when you're finished, I want you to look at the other side of that, and I just want you to write one word over and over and over again. The word forgiven. 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 And when you're done with that, take that piece of paper and tear it up. Don't keep it. Rip it into a dozen pieces. Throw it in the trash can. Throw it in your burn barrel. Flush it down the toilet. I don't care what you do with it. Because that stuff has been forgiven. 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 And let those memories disappear once and for all. How would you like this year to be the best year you've ever had? I know I would. I've had some pretty good years, but I'd like to have a really great year this year. You want to be the year that you actually come closer to Jesus than ever before. Then I would suggest use this Lenten season, use right now during these 40 days of praise to begin where Jesus began on the cross. By becoming a great forgiver. On the screen is a prayer. There should be a prayer coming up here. And I'd invite you to join together with me as we pray. Father, all of us know that it's easier to talk about forgiveness than it is to do it. And yet we all know how much we suffer when we forget to do what Jesus did on the cross. Grant us the courage to step the giant step of forgiveness. Teach us that however painful forgiveness may be, it is infinitely better than refusing to forgive. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who forgave us when we were unforgivable. Amen.